Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Lynn from Illinois. Thanks for your show. I have about a third of our savings uh, in VWEAX and provides unbiased answers. But you got to be careful. There's nothing wrong with being in this kind of fund when the economy is, is strong. We've had a strong economy, a fairly strong economy, all since 2009, except for the one year or so, year and a half or so of COVID. Invest Talk. Over 35 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-SHARP. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Best talk. It is Friday, October 1st, 2021. We're into the fourth quarter of the year. Third quarter just ended. Well, that's okay. Fourth quarter is usually the better quarter. The middle two quarters are the worst. The first, last and first quarter are the best for the market. And it's pretty significant, by the way. It's not just a little bit difference. No, it's pretty significant. And of course, we had a pretty good day starting off the quarter today. But, but you know, one day doesn't mean much. We still have lots of volatility we're dealing with. And this today was up volatility. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, so we can't, yeah, you can't just still, you know, because of this volatility, we can't kind of just ignore our portfolio. Okay, let me pull back a little bit. You can ignore your portfolios if you're willing to ignore it for years. In other words, don't react up or down, just stay invested. If you can do that, buying the SP 500, not worry about it, just do that for years and years and years, then you can ignore the market on a, uh, uh, you can ignore the market until you're closer to retirement. You can, and it will work. It's worked in the past, will work in the future. But most people can't do that. The market crashes 50%, they freak out, they get out. That's the exact wrong thing to do. Don't let emotions rule your decisions. And there's really only two emotions in the market that we've talked about many times, and that's fear and greed. Don't let either of those two emotions control or make your decisions for you. Sometimes it's hard to know that you're reacting to fear or greed because you don't feel fearful. You don't think you're fearful or you're greedy, you know, uh, but it is pervasive. It does, you, it, it does control you. You've got to be real disciplined. And we'll teach you that. I'll show you that. We'll talk about that on the radio show here. You know, we always start off with our mission statement, and that's independent thinking and shared success. And I and I always tell you that that's your assurance that we will give you facts here. Justin and I will give you facts on, on Invest Talk. We will only deal with what we can see in front of us on our data. We will give us give you our interpretation of that, not somebody else's. But we will give you the facts as we see them. And we'll be as honest and straightforward as we can be without any bias one way or another. I'm Steve Peasley, and I encourage you to contact me to give me a call. We're live right now, 4 to 5 Pacific Type, Monday through Friday. You can call me right now. And if you've never called, why not call? What's, yeah, there's, no, there's no 
stupid question. There's no question that is, you know, I, I don't want to talk about that because they'll think I'm stupid or whatever, or that everybody already knows the answer to that one, so I'm not going to ask that question. No, that's not true. That is not true. How are you going to learn if you don't ask? Call. The number is 888-99-CHART. We're live 4 to 5 Pacific time, but you can call that number anytime you want. Leave your question. So if you don't want to talk live, you don't have to. Just leave the question, and we'll answer on the next program. So let's go ahead and get started right to the first question. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Lynn from Illinois. Thanks for your show. I have about a third of our savings uh, in VWEAX. It's a Vanguard corporate bond fund, and I try to stay ahead with inflation on, on this fund. I'm just curious if tracking the SEC 30-day yield is a useful tool. I know it's kind of looking in the rearview mirror for help, but uh, just wondered if it's something to follow or track, and I appreciate your thoughts on that. Thank you. Well, Bye. Uh, okay, this is a Vanguard High Yield Corporate Bond Fund. High yield always translates into junk bonds. Okay, that's what that means. So they're invested in junk bonds. People like junk bonds because they pay high yields, higher than high-quality bonds. But you got to be careful. There's nothing wrong with being in this kind of fund when the economy is, is strong. And we've had a strong economy, a fairly strong economy, all since 2009, except for the one year or so, year and a half or so, COVID. Therefore, this fund has worked very well. This fund will not work very well when interest rates start to rise. It will not. Higher interest rates, higher yield. You know, the reason why they're high yield is because the corporations issuing these bonds are not very strong companies. When they have to start... That when they can't borrow money or they're running out of money and they can't issue new bonds, they start to have financial problems. In a recession, high-yield comp- companies that rely on high-yield, in other words, weak companies, have a, the, the high-yield bonds have a much higher default rate than quality bonds or investment-grade bonds, which is the same thing as quality bonds, investment-grade, high-yield investment-grades. So just be careful, and no, it's not going to help you finding, you know, looking back uh, at the, any kind of uh, tracking rates of any kind. Looking backwards, not going to help. It's just, just they're not going to tell you or give you useful information. It won't. Okay, so just be careful. In a recession, this is going to get punished badly. Just so you know. My focus point today concerns a story behind the headlines: supply chain issues. And COVID variant surges are hurting retailers. Starting to see that. Kohl's, Nordstrom's, Macy's, uh, Nike, you name it. Starting to hurt them. Now, mind you, the companies are doing well, but the the pain is, is they can't get the products they need to sell. Shelves are not full like they should be. Can't get the products to, to, to market. Well, they can, but not enough. So that's going to be our main talking point today. Uh, we had some interesting stats, income, spending numbers, core inflation numbers, five-year expected inflation numbers. So, so I'll, I'll give you those numbers. Uh, record-breaking new IPOs in 2021. Did you know that? We had 94 IPOs in the third quarter alone. Third quarter alone, 94. 
2,000 IPOs, initial public offerings, so 2,000 companies going public this year, 2021, the largest number ever. So I want to discuss that. And um, one final thing, if we can get to, I want to talk about the ISM numbers. Manufacturing numbers. I want to talk about that, if we have time. All about numbers. Numbers, numbers, numbers. I know, you know, you probably think it's boring, but numbers are important. Economic numbers are very, very important. Knowing the trend, knowing where they go, what's high, what's not high, what's low, what's good, what's bad. What is it? Learning that is extremely important. really is. And then another part that you have to really learn is what the role the Federal Reserve plays. What's it doing? It's a very important. It's, they can throw us into recession. They easily can. Easily. They can also expand our economy. Not as easy, but they can. What they do means a lot. And then, of course, you got what's coming out of Washington, spending, you know, the spending, what that is going to affect us in many different ways. We'll, we'll talk about all those things. Whatever's on your mind, you drive the show wherever you want it to go. You tell me. There'll be no trivia question today as uh, we'll talk about some of the highlights in the KPP premium newsletter, uh, and that will come at the halfway point. So how did the market really do today? Well, the Dow's up 483 points, and NASDAQ up 118 and the S&P up five. So I had a very good day after a week of choppiness, very pretty high, more than just a week. We've been looking at this for all of September, pretty darn volatile. Now, I've also, you'll see it in the newsletter, if you got the newsletter, I've also mentioned on air here that September and October are known to put in the worst market days. But they're also, October is known we're putting in bottoms when the market starts to rally again. I can't say today is the start of the rally. I can't do that. That's not true. I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your investment talk questions right now, 888-99-CHART. We're going to do a, have a really quick break here, and I'll be back in just a minute. We'll talk some more. No two investors have an identical portfolio, so each investor will have different questions. I guess I'm wondering how I should kind of diversify. If the questions specific to your portfolio aren't being asked, your situation is not addressed. And I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein take Invest Talk listener questions each weekday during the program live stream in the 4 to 5 p.m. hour Pacific time. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99Chart. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations! You've found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed Invest Talk. Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk listener line. 
888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Tyler from Oklahoma. Call her several times. Thank you for everything that you guys do. Calling about BWA. This is just kind of a almost a value play on EVs. And I know you guys say that you don't, don't really like the automakers per se. You're more looking to what they like the parts that they're making and everything. This looks like a company well positioned for a transition into that while also having still some exposure to gas vehicles. Just wanted to know your guys' take on it and a good buy point. Thank you. Bye. It's Borg Water Inc., BWA, manufactures engine and drivetrain components for light vehicle or original equipment manufacturers. So like Ford, GM, Volkswagen, whatever. They would buy engine and drivetrains from uh, components from this company. And so, of course, it's a cyclical stock, meaning an economic cycle, cars are sold in. If they're focused on the EV market, I feel much better because that's where the growth is going to be. And they've had pretty spectacular growth. Their June quarter was up 164% in sales. Before that, was up 76 Before that, up 53%. Before that, was up 2%. And then the three quarters before that, so three quarters of last year, 2019 and uh, 2020, um, uh, the sales shrank. They're going to make $4.93, up 20% next year. This year, they're going to be up 50%. So it's a pretty strong company, and it's only selling for $43. That means the PEA show is like uh, eight or nine. Nine. Right? Okay. Now, however... They usually have a low PE. Automakers, auto parts makers usually maintain a low PE. Their range is 4 to 16. So being 8 or 9 means they're right in the middle of the range. So don't think that that's cheap for this industry. It looks cheap if you compare it with all the other industries, but not if you compare it with the auto industry. It looks reasonably priced. But if that sales growth can maintain that kind of growth, it then is cheap if they can maintain that sales growth. And that's where you want to put your efforts. Are they going to be able to maintain that kind of sales growth? Pay 1.6% dividend. They don't have a lot of debt. Management owns 1%. Neutral funds are slowly buying over the last year. So all the other numbers are pretty decent. Okay? BWA. BWA. Okay, uh, let's see. When people take the time to, you know, review us on Invest Talk, the podcast for from Apple, you know, from we and iTunes, we appreciate it, and we try to thank them with answering any question they might have as soon as possible. So we had one. Hi, I'm a new listener and love the show. Thus far, I own roughly 10% of my portfolio in KTRA. What are your opinions about the stock? Should I hold, sell, buy more? Looking forward. No, you don't buy more. You have 10%. Okay, if you're a new listener, you know there's rules. The rule is... You buy 3 to 5% of any one stock. You diversify. When it gets above 10%, you start to come back. You cut back. You start to take some profits off the table. Develop small molecular thermoputics for the treatment of cancer. This is a really tiny company. Now, the rule, they, they're a $35 million company, microcap. It's an $0.83 cent stock, penny stock. They don't make money, never made money, not going to make money next year or the year after. So, no, you get out of this. You get out. You've made a profit, take it and run. This is The chances of this company going bankrupt are very high. 
No, you buy the other rule. Buy companies that make money. Buy companies that make money. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And for investors, the need to remain vigilant is never ending. So let's take let's all take some time out and maybe manage our fear and greed. Try to understand what that is. Balancing our risk of our portfolios. Buying good solid companies. We're taking your calls live, 888 99Charts. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. 888-992-4278. What's your question? What do you want to talk about? You listen to Invest Talk. Again, I'm Steve Peasley. And I would love to hear your questions. What do you want to talk about? My focus point today concerns supply chain issues. Have you paid attention to this? Uh, I, I most people have not. And I guess, you know, what's happening is, you know. I live near uh, Long Beach, right? Uh, Long Beach is probably an hour north of me. I'm in San Juan Campos, Toronto. Long Beach Harbor and L.A. Harbor, they import 25% of the United States, uh, uh, the imports, uh, 25% come through those two harbors. Those two harbors are backed up. I mean, they got container ships out the yin and out and out of the harbor. They can't even come to the harbor. What's the problem? Well, one of it is there's they they coming in odd times, and we can't find enough truck drivers. Once they unload the, the the cargo, it sits on the docks because we don't have enough truck drivers to move it inland. So that backs up everything else. Now you multiply that times other ports around the world, especially in China, where maybe they the, the I I read about a month ago, and I mentioned on the air there was one section of one of their largest Hunan port that COVID knocked out all the workers for part of the port so they couldn't load. Well, then once they get the workers back, then they overload, and then they have five ships coming at one time. It messes up the entire supply chain. Remember a few years ago we used to talk about just-in-time inventory? What that means is no one carries backlog of inventory, so when they don't get their stuff just in time, they're out. They don't have it. Used to be common that you held enough inventory to get you through a couple, three months, maybe six months worth of demand. Not anymore. So that tight, 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 just-in-time inventory method that's worldwide these days, you have disruptions, it messes up everything. So if you don't get one little widget, and again, I'll mention it again, the auto trucking manufacturer in the United States and other manufacturers of vehicles, they, they, they're missing computer chips. So they can make the vehicle, but they can't put the chips in because they don't have enough. They get some, but not enough. That's That problem is not going to be resolved until next year sometime, maybe late next year. So just in time messes everything up. And, of course, it costs money to have inventory, to hold inventory. You got to have, you got to store it. They don't want to do that. That costs money. So I don't know what the answer is, everybody, but I can tell you the answer is, is when there's disruptions, it multiplies when you have when you have no backup inventory anywhere. And we have disruptions. 
COVID disrupting everything. Just the way it is. Just going to deal with it. So what's happening is you got uh, uh, Nike reported 12% growth in sales. Stock went down because they would have had a lot more if they could have got their, their, their supplies they're looking for, their shoes. Nike doesn't make shoes here in the United States. Nike's in uh, Washington. They design them there. They don't make them. They make them in China or some other place. What if they can't get their shoes distributed for sale? At the same time, demand is increasing. Our GDP is 6%. <laughs> Growth is, <laughs> it's a problem. Anyways, just so you just got to be aware. It's going to hurt retailers. It's hurting retailers right now. Mind you, it's a temporary problem. So don't think there might be opportunities produced because of this. Now, I'm talking about investing in their stocks when they get hit hard. because Not because they couldn't sell stuff because they didn't have inventory. Interesting. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's go back to our voice bank and pick up another question. Hi, I had a question for Carnival Cruise Lines. It's a rather big company. I like holding it long term. I'm just wondering with the shares dilution, is this stock is thirty-five to forty dollars its new high, or how would you analyze this? And what's your take on Carnival Cruise Lines? Thank you, and have a great day. Well, of course, they you know they've been they were affected dramatically by COVID, right? No one's going to pack thousands of people on a board ship and be out of the ocean and then get COVID out there. So that you know they were totally shut down, right? So now they lost seven dollars and forty-seven cents in two thousand twenty, the COVID year. Before that, they made 440. They were growing their sales pretty consistently before that. 2021, they're gonna they're gonna lose six dollars and twenty cents because you just can't start it right up and there you go. Especially you have Delta variant coming in, and then 2022, they're gonna make three cents a share and it's a twenty six dollar stock. So it's super overpriced. That's what that means. That's what that means. What is what is three cents worth? See, you can look back and go back, and they were making two, $2 or more per share, and you can figure out, well, what's their high-low PE? What, what, you know, their low PE is two. The high PE is 149. So you can't really use that to try to figure out what three cents a share is worth. Will they come back? Well, probably. If they don't go bankrupt in between, do they have enough money to survive? Those are the kind of questions. I, I would just stay away from that whole industry. I just don't care for it because of the problems that they have. Now, if you have an extra time over the weekend, you may want to check out some of the information we have posted on investtalk.com. So if you read something and have questions and want more details, you can just contact me or Justin Klein. You can send us a message through investtalk.com. Just send us an email. We'll talk to you. Or there's a contact us button there. That's the same as an email that comes directly to us. We're headed into a break. The phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, 
You can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi, Stephen Justin. Longtime listener here from Minnesota. And I have a question that I hopefully you can straighten out for me, please. My question is concerning dividends. You guys always mention that um, when certain dividend-paying stocks go down lower, it's a good time to buy because the yields are higher and so forth. I know that it's good to have higher-paying yields and all that. I do understand that. But how does it really better you in your dividend payout? That may sound kind of odd, but what I am asking, I guess, is if a company, take AT&T, for example, if they pay out 30 cents a share, do they increase that then when the dividends or when the yields get higher and then they pay 35 or 40 cents a share? I felt they just always kept the dividend payment at 30 cents a share no matter what the stock price was. So if the price goes, does go down lower, how does that help your dividend payment, I guess, is my question. 
I don't know if that means if you buy it, then you get more shares, so you benefit that way because you have more shares to earn your dividend on, or what exactly? Thank you. I look forward to hearing your answer on the show. Have a good day. Okay, no, it doesn't do that. That's not how you. That's not how it works. Let's say uh, just take AT and T. We'll take AT and T. What you what you're looking for are companies that constantly increase their dividends, and AT and T has in the past done that. But now, since they've spun off Time Warner, maybe they won't be able to do that for a while because they have a dividend yield of seven point seven percent. But that was always looking back, right? And it's 7.7% because they paid so much dividends and the stock price went down 27 to $27 from in the, from being in the 30s. You know, uh, so that dividend yield looks awful attractive. But they may they they just don't pay 30 cents a share every quarter and never change it. That dividend has to be approved by the board of directors every time it's paid. They may increase the dividend, decrease the dividend. They can cut the dividend out. But what you really want is companies that consistently pay dividends. AT&T is one of those. They've always paid a dividend for years and years and years. And you're looking for those companies that pay the dividends and grow their dividends. Because if they can grow their dividends, then they're going to pay out more to you. And if you bought the stock at 27 and the stock goes up to 40, you're getting a dividend yield based on a $27 per share base, right? So your yield will be high compared to someone else bought it at 40 and they're paying the same 30 cents a share and not moved it up. Their yield will be much different than your yield at 27, right? Do the math. So you got to think in terms of, well, how much do they pay the dividend? Are they going to raise it, decrease it? Have they been raising it? There's a book out there called Dividend Achievers. And that book will list all the companies that have always increased their dividends every year. Every year, increase their dividends. So when those stocks of those companies go on sale, now that it gets crushed, those are the kind of stocks you want because the next year they're going to increase the dividends and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. And you're holding on to it. You're making more and more money and you have a certain cost base for that. Therefore, your percentage of dividends return is higher and keeps growing. I hope that makes sense to you. The KPP Premium Newsletter, I finished it this morning, and it's distributed to subscribers by tomorrow. Uh, and uh, there's four sections. Um, the first section is called the market conditions sections, and I went into the all the numbers that came out, all the economic numbers that came out this week. Excuse me. Okay, um, I explained uh, the you know talked about the volatility of the stock market, and you saw um, what it did today. I, up volatility, but still volatility, and how that's been a per consistent. And is are we almost getting numb to the volatility? Are we getting used to it? Is it going to stay that way? And I don't think so. I think we'll you know the market will finally calm at some point, but meanwhile, you know it's pretty volatile. You just have to live with it. It doesn't mean you don't. Doesn't mean you avoid the market. Don't do that. Then I went into all the statistics that came out for the week and what they might mean. And it, it tells me that the economy is going to be strong till the end of the year and going into next year. It's probably going to be a strong next year. Uh, it's hard for me to see how it won't be strong. And the only thing that could really upset that is runaway inflation, which I don't think we're going to have. 
and the Fed or and or the Fed raising interest rates. They're going to raise them at some point. They're going to normalize them at some point, but it might take years to normalize them. Normalize them means they let them go back to where they were. And remember, the Federal Reserve only controls one rate, the, the overnight rate, and that's the rate that they charge, the interest rate they charge banks borrowing money from the Federal Reserve. The banks borrow money from the Federal Reserve and they lend it out to us, okay? That rate is at zero. Normalizing that rate would be to 2 to 3%. That would be normal. We haven't seen normal in years and years. But uh, we will eventually someday see normal, and what will that mean to the economy, to the stock market? The Fed is going to start tightening. I mentioned that in the newsletter. They're going to start. They're going to be very gentle. They're going to be very slow, but they're going to start tightening. They're going to do it before the end of the year. But but they're not raising the rates. They're going to tighten by stop slowing down or stopping their bond buying, buying bonds out of the market. And I go into how that, you know, why that means tightening in the newsletter. Portfolio management section. I talked about two methods in analyzing stocks, fundamentals and technicals. Fundamentals are far, far more important than the technicals. What are fundamentals? Fundamentals of company are the sales growth, the earnings, the margins, the profit margins, the the uh, price to sales ratio, the PE ratio, the return on equity, ROE, ROA, return on equity, return on assets. Those are the things that are extremely important. What's the brand? What's the management? How are they been? How long they've been employed? All those things are the fundamentals. Technicals is looking at the price movement of the stock up to this point because you can't look forward forward because you don't have it yet. So you're looking backwards. Technicals always looking backwards at a chart, the price movement of the stock. And you're saying, well, when does does it repeat itself? Does a chart show any repetition? When it goes here, does it generally do something consistently? And that's writing a chart is an art, not a science. So fundamentals are far more important. I talk about that. Okay, uh, let's see. couple of stock ideas, a Los Angeles-based uh, bank that caters to uh, Korean-Americans was in there. Another company that operates uh, in a brokerage banking, one of the biggest ones, business bro- brokerage banking's asset management business probably figure that out, but that was in the newsletter. You know, I try to, you know, I try to put things in the newsletter that you can apply and make sense that is up to date and happening now. And remember, it's a weekly newsletter. You can order that newsletter. You can get it every week if you want. Just go to investtalk.com, take a look, order the newsletter. And you can cancel anytime you want to. There's no guarantee. You don't have to or buy it for a year or anything like that. You can get it. All clients get the newsletter free. So you become a client, you get it for free. Okay? So that's what I would like you to do. Go to investtalks.com, sign up for the newsletter. Okay, income and spending numbers for August were out today. Uh, Income was up two-tenths. Spending was up eight-tenths. Eight-tenths. That's a pretty good jump, eight-tenths. Two-tenths is okay. Income up two, spending up eight tenths. Core inflation up three tenths. 
a report uh, uh, that comes out every so often that I don't report, I don't tell you about. I haven't in the past. Maybe I should start doing it because I think inflation is more is more pervasive than the Federal Reserve thinks. The five-year expected inflation number put out by the government. It was 2.9%. Now it's 3%. Remember, inflation right now is running at 5, 5.5%. They're expecting it over the next five years to run on an average about 3%. How can that be? One way it could be is if we go into recession, inflation will be cut dramatically. So if we're in a recession in the next five years, which is very possible, then maybe they're, 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 they're 3% Growth, their 3% inflation rate is probably correct. Now, do you know what our long-term inflation rate here in the United States is? Long-term, 3.3%, about 3.3, 3 3.2%. And we're running around 5.5% right now. You know, and I kind of point out that the way the government counts inflation doesn't really count all the inflation you and I feel just so you know, they don't count it. One of the things they do that I think is kind of silly is how one of the ways they count inflation, they have a 1,000 items in a basket that they check the price of every month. And the prices of those 1,000 items go up, then that's inflation. However, part of those items are technical things like computers and phones and those kinds of things. And if the phones and computers and pads and whatever else electronic improve over the next month, in other words, the price might have went up, but the, the new phone is much more efficient or stores more data or whatever, they discount that price increase. Whereas, it, well, it really wasn't a price increase, even though it costs more money. But it wasn't a price increase because instead of having two cameras on that phone, now they have three. So it might have went up in price, but it also went up in functionality and technology. Therefore, the price really didn't go up. But to you and me, the price went up. To the government, it didn't. So, you know, of course, they count basic things like milk and beef and pork and orange juice, which, you know, does reflect. But I always thought it's, you know, kind of skews it when they talk about electronic stuff. This is Invest Talk, and if you never called, why don't you do it now? I'd love to talk to you. I'll be curious to hear your question, no matter what it is. And we'll give you a, I will give you an unbiased answer. I promise that. Our phone lines are, are never closed, 888-99-CHART. Let's play another call. Hey, Stephen, Justin. Uh, this is Michael in Temecula, California. Been uh, listening for the last couple of years. Big fan of the show. Appreciate all you guys do and all the info. I was thinking right now during this pullback period, uh, this little bit of correction period in the market, would it be a good time to buy some Amazon wheat? I'll be listening on the podcast. I would appreciate your answer. Thanks, guys. I kind of like the price of Amazon right now, so I think buying the leap, which is an option uh, and a long-term option, year, two years down the road, uh, might be a good idea. Amazon provides online retail services which enable merchandise and contents to be sold via Amazon.com. Everybody knows who they are. 
They're going to make, uh, well, they made $41.83 in 2020. This year, they're going to make about $53. Next year, they'll make $67 per share. The stock price hasn't moved, has not moved this year. It's been very static. The P.E. ratio, it's a two, $3,283 stock, right? I mean, it's it's people look at that and say, oh, it's a high-priced stock. Okay, the price of the stock in pure dollars is high, but you don't look at it that way. You look at it compared to its earnings. Is it high compared to its earnings? Well, based on next year's earnings of $67, the P.E. ratio is going to be 49. Okay, what ratio does uh, normally Amazon have? The five-year ratio, five-year P.E. range, 54 to 275. And based on next year's earnings, it's going to be 49, below its five-year P.E. range. That's still high, by the way, 49, compared to the overall market. The S&P 500 long-term P.E. ratio is 15. But this Amazon's still growing very fast, 27% in the most recent quarter, 44% the quarter before that. I mean, it's still growing very, very fast. Return equity is very high at 27%. Cash flow is very high at 92 They don't pay a dividend, which is surprising. $1.6 trillion company not paying a dividend. Eventually, they're going to have to pay a dividend. So mutual funds are still buying. There's 6,400 mutual funds that own Amazon. There was a year ago, 5,800. 600 more mutual funds bought it. So when do you buy it? Well, it looks fairly cheap to me based on its historical valuations. Does that mean it's going to go up? I can't tell you. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I have no crystal ball. I can tell you that based on the past, it should. it's reflecting value right here while still growing very fast. That I can tell you. So therefore, I kind of like it. Let's go to Bob and Burnley game. How you doing, Bob? Yes, hello. So thank you for having me. Awesome thank podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm curious to know your thoughts on Coupa, C O U P. I understand it's a growth stock, but I, I plan to hold it for at least five years. And okay. I am trying to learn valuation for growth stocks, and I understand this has a high price of sales. But I'm kind of curious: how do you value? Like, do I look at appears in its company to compare to say this is high for this type of growth stock, or how, how would I start to even? digest if this is a good company or not? Very good question. And it's very difficult, okay? Very difficult when you come to growth stocks. I'm going to take a look at it. i got to take a quick, quick break, but Bob, I'll answer your question after this break, okay? So, I'm Steve Peasley. Thank you for listening, everybody. we got a break coming up. 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Okay, before the break, Bob had a question. His question, boiling it down, what he really wants to know is how do you evaluate a gross stock? And he was referring to a company called Coupa Software Inc. C-O-U-P is a simple symbol. Develops cloud-based spending management platform that connects several organizations. Stock is $221. $16 billion company. And it's only going to make $0.62 cents next year. This year it's going to make $0.29 cents a share. 
So it's a 300 plus PE ratio. Why should it get such a ridiculously high ratio? Well, it was even higher than the stock was at was at 377 this year. Now it's 221. 377 down to 221, 150 points. That's because it's so overvalued. It was extremely overvalued. Now it's just overvalued. Gross stocks act like that. If it has any hiccup in its sales, sales have been growing in the 40% range for the last three quarters, 42, 40, 47. If there's a growth of 30%, this stock will take a huge hit. How do you evaluate gross stocks? Very difficult to do. Because you because there's there's no relationships that you can say well gee if the you know if it goes here and earns this much money then it should be worth X well the growth stocks don't evaluate that way you base it on sales growth well if growth rate is forty percent do I use a forty maybe use that as a uh, a ratio number forty times next year's earnings sixty two cents well that only gives you what. a share. It's 221. You see, so there's no way to do it. Makes it very difficult. And there is no good answer. What you can do is look, if you really want to get into a growth stock, you can look at a chart and see what other people are doing buying and selling in the past. (coughs) And try to project that into the future. For instance, very strong support about $200 to $215 a share. For this company, it's at 221. So it might be close to strong support. And this might be a short term bottom of the stock, and it could go back to 377 because that's where the resistance is. Okay? It's a very hard answer. Okay? Very difficult answer. Okay, on Fridays, I try to give you some stats. Uh, um, Two year treasury yield, 0.26. It was 0.27 last week. 10 year treasury yield, 1.47. It was 1.45 last week. So that treasury, the 10 year has been going up. Gold, 1757 this week. Last week is 1747. Not much of a move, $10 up. Silver, 2252. Last week was 2238. Up a little bit like gold. Oil, $75.64 a barrel. It was $74.01 last week. Oil's going up. So those are some of the basic numbers. You know, oil, gasoline, you know, we're paying, you know, here in California, as I always point out, $4.40, up two cents from a week ago. But, you know, $3.18, $3.19 this week nationwide. So, yeah. Anyways, those are some of the numbers. Record-breaking IPOs this year for 2021 for 2020 and worldwide, 2,000 IPOs. 94, 94 so far this year produced, let me rephrase that. 94 was in the third quarter of this year, producing $27 billion. The 2,000 global produced $421 billion. Why so many IPOs? Well, COVID prevented a lot of IPOs from being brought out because no one wanted to do it then. That's one of the reasons. We have very low interest rates still. So suspect companies can borrow money at very low rates and therefore go public and they can borrow money to survive. So don't buy companies that don't make money. Okay? That's the clue. So those, you know, 
IPOs are probably going to continue to be strong going into the end of the year and, and probably into next year because we have very high GDP growth. And I can see it. And interest rates are still very low. We'll probably be so for a while. So we'll see. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about us. It's all free, free podcast downloads. Get your downloads at Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and be sure to rate and review us. We would appreciate that. You can do it on iTunes. And uh, I guess that's it for the day. Independent thing and share success, everybody. This is the best talk. Enjoy your weekend. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.